Welcome to the Vintage Church Podcast. Vintage Church is a movement of truth, love, and community. For more information, visit VintageChurchNola.com. Here is this week's message. Well, good morning. I am so excited for this morning. This morning, as Bethany shared just a few moments ago, we are kicking off a brand new five-week series called Impress. And what we're going to be doing over the next five weeks is looking at Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 through 9. We're going to do a deep dive into those few verses and look what God has to show us about future generations, the church of the future. If you remember, at the beginning of this year, we kicked off a brand new two-year ministry vision called Anticipate. And there were three key areas that we were focusing on, future impact, future churches, and future generations. And that's really what this series is about. For the next five weeks, we're going to be looking at how we impress the values that God wants into our lives. And I want to encourage you in in a couple of ways. One, if you are a parent, if you are interested in parenting, this series is going to be so significant for you because what we are going to teach over the next five weeks are what we call Orange Family Values. Today, you're going to be seeing and hearing about the, the Orange Family value of Imagine the end. But before you kind of turn me off because you're like, I'm not a parent, I don't like kids, I'm not interested in kids, right? This is for everybody. Because the way that orange, the orange family values works, you see this orange imprint, right? And you saw in that video two colors come together. Red, which symbolizes the influence of the family, and yellow, which symbolizes the influence of the church, And every single one of you, if you are here, you're a part of the church and you have a part to play in making an impact in the lives of the church of the future. You've heard, right? It takes a village to raise a child. Well, what I think is it takes a church to raise a child. And so every single one of us have a part to play as we think about these orange family values and we hear from the Lord as to what it looks like to impress those values on our children. And what I'm really excited about this morning is we have the privilege of hearing from our founding pastor, Pastor Rob Wilton. Can we welcome him this morning? That's more than I ever get. Just letting you know. I'm kidding. Did you guys recognize me this morning? So I am really excited. Uh, Jake Smith, the music arts pastor at uh, Vintage Pit, was with Mark, Anthony Thomas, and our music arts team this morning leading worship. Pastor Rob Wilton is kicking off Impress this morning. And as they're, as they're doing that here, we have four of our team up in Pittsburgh this week. We have Pastor Brick who was preaching at the city location for Vintage Church Pittsburgh, Pastor Matthew Weaver, who was preaching in their west location, Nick Perrett, our generations director, is up there working with our with their V kids and V students, and then Daniel Baptiste, one of our faithful Vintage partners, was also is also up there. And so I'm so excited. You saw it last week with Kyle, Pastor Kyle Hurlbert here, and uh, Pastor John and Mark Anthony up in Pittsburgh to see what the Lord is doing through the Vintage Church movement, right? 
There's so much that we don't see here in New Orleans because we're not in Pittsburgh, right, and vice versa. But when we have these opportunities to hear from one another, it's so incredible to see what God is doing through this movement. And so what I want to do is, as Pastor Rob comes to preach is just simply pray over him and ask the Lord to use him to deliver his word. So let's pray together. Father, we love you. And this morning we are incredibly thankful that you are a good, good father. God, that you are a good, good father who gives grace and mercy and love, who is a giver of good gifts to us. And this morning, God, we thank you for the gift of your word, the opportunity that we have to hear from you, that you've not hidden yourself, but you've revealed yourself and you've made yourself plain to us. And God, we thank you for what you've done in the life of Vintage Church, this this movement of churches that you've created. And God, I'm so incredibly thankful for my friend and my pastor, Pastor Rob Wilton. God, what you have done in his life, what you are doing in Vintage Church Pittsburgh, and what you're about to do here at Vintage Church New Orleans through the preaching of the word. And so I pray for him this morning, God, that you would use him, that you would empower him with your spirit, God, that you would open our ears and open our hearts to hear, to be impacted by your word. We love you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, who that? Yes! I'm in a town where I get that back. I say who that up in Pittsburgh and they throw things at me. Man, it is so great to be back home with you guys. Thank you, Pastor Dustin. Can you all just uh, give it up for Pastor Dustin? And you guys know how close we are. We've served Jesus together for a number of years, but there's just no way in the world that uh, I could do what God has called me to do over the last two years and taken the leap of faith to plant Vintage Church in Pittsburgh without uh, Pastor Dustin Turner and this incredible team. Uh, Brick is about to preach the word at our city location on top of Mount Washington. Uh, Matthew Weaver already preached the word. I heard revival came down. People were getting all charismatic because y'all know Pastor Weaver. He's all charismatic. And, uh, and, and, and we just are having so much fun dreaming together. We really believe this is just the beginning of a movement of truth, love, and community. And we just love you. And we're so excited. Uh, open up your Bibles to the book of Deuteronomy. To the book of Deuteronomy. If you don't have a Bible, we have an incredible Connect team here that would love to get you a copy of the Word of God. If you don't own one, please take this home as a gift from our church to you. We believe there's absolutely nothing in the world more important than to open up God's Word, read it, and apply it in your life. It's a great honor for me to jumpstart this incredible series that you guys will go through over the next few weeks called Impress. And what we're going to do as we journey through God's word together, and I say that together, we have a lot of people who worship with you guys every single week from Pittsburgh. We're not quite ready with technology and everything else to capture our sermons and our videos and everything else. So we journey with you, and a lot of our people are fed uh, by the word of God through your pastors here. And so um, we will take this journey with you. A lot of our parents are excited to take this journey with you. And um, what we're going to do as we walk through this is in honor of God's word in order for us to honestly sync up with what this word is that um, the intention of it was that this was not something that was just 
heard or listened to. This was something that was spoken constantly, spoken into homes, spoken into lives, and then lived out. So we want to kind of get active with this. We don't want to just talk about something a day. Let's walk it out. So would you join me in standing in honor of God's word? And then we are going to read together this passage. All right, we're going to read it out loud. I need y'all to warm up the vocals because the cowgirls are in town. And we got to shut down these cowgirls, all right? Yep, they're cowgirls. So I told one guy on the elevator last night, I was like, bruh, are you going to burn all of your cowboy stuff if we beat you with Teddy Bridgewater? All right, so here we go. All right, we're going to look in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 through 9. The words are going to be on the screen As we get ready for this, just listen to this context real quick. Um, A student came to Jesus and asked the teacher, um, Jesus, what is the greatest commandment? I want this to be in our context here. Jesus responded that we must love God and love our neighbor. In his response, Jesus quoted a portion of the Shema, which is what we're about to read together. The Shema, which is found in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 6, the word Shema is the Hebrew word to hear. In Jesus' day, reciting the Shema was all about engaging in a relationship with God. Okay, So we're not going through religious, robotic routine here. We are enjoying a relationship with God here. This was the purpose of the Shema. It was done regularly. It was recited several times a day. For a person to recite the Shema was to celebrate that God's covenant and promise of grace was with his people, okay? We got that on our hearts. That's why we will do this together. Let's read. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your might. And these words that I command to you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. The word of the Lord. Thank you. You may be seated. Um, just want to give a little shout out, even though this series is not only for parents, I want to give a shout out to all my parents in the house. The struggle is real. Uh, Jake and I are here. Y'all pray for our wives because there's nine kids back in Pittsburgh uh, causing craziness. Uh, Jake's got five kids. I got four kids. Uh, when we go anywhere, um, we apologize before, during, and after. I mean, that's just the way it rolls. Um, uh, and, and so, look, the struggle's real. Um, I, I've reminded myself in preparing for this message, some of my favorite books that I've read over the years. One of my favorite books, you might want to write this down, is from a guy named Ted Tripp. It's called Shepherding a Child's Heart. This was something that was recommended to me years ago. And uh, here he says this about kind of the struggle. He said, today's parents are frustrated, confused. Children don't act like they should. Parents don't understand why. Can I get a witness? Parents in the house. 
Many have concluded that this job is impossible. This author says, may I submit to you that there is hope for the situation. You can raise children in a godly way. You need not, indeed, you dare not cave in. Concluding that the task is impossible, experience may tell you failure is inevitable, but experience is an unsafe guide. The only safe guide is God's word. It's the only safe guide. It is the revelation of God who has infinite knowledge and can therefore give you absolute truth. God has given you a revelation that is robust and complete. It presents an accurate and comprehensive picture of children, parents, family life, values, training, nurture, and discipline. All you need to be equipped for the task of parenting. When I walk around and, and with new parents, I, I always kind of challenge parents in regards to three questions you need to answer as you begin a journey of parenting a child. And I would say this, if you have any desire to fulfill the Great Commission, which is the fact that if you are in Christ, you're a disciple of Christ, and God's called you to make disciples of Christ, I would ask you to consider the same thing, because this is gospel multiplication. The first question is, who are you? Who are you? This is foundational. It's a pretty amazing and humbling thing altogether to plant a church. I've now planted three. <laughs> and it's pretty amazing to find out that, look, once a few months go by, when you plant a church, you start seeing some habits within the church, and then you start complaining about that church. And you're like, dang it, those are my issues. <laughs> well, who are you? You got to answer that first. Who is your identity? You hope for your children to reflect God, do you? Who are you? Number two, what do you do? Talk is cheap. So what are your kids seeing you do? What matters most to you? If you're going to multiply yourself into someone else, you're going to ask them to model what you're doing. What are you doing? And then lastly, where are you going? Vision. Vision, even in parenting, even in the greatest moments of parenting, the worst moments of parenting, I always want to speak into my kids long-range vision for their life. Son, I'm having a come down on you right now. <laughs> Here's the reason why. It's because some things are going to come later on in life, and you need to learn this lesson now to the glory of God. Um, I've got four kids. My oldest son, Bolt, is 11. Isn't that crazy? And uh, Bolt's the same age of Vintage Church New Orleans. He was born the year we started this church. And so it's been cool to kind of see the similarities. When he became potty trained, so did this church. <laughs> and so uh, Bolt is 11, and Bolt is an extremely gifted kid. The kid is brilliant, okay? He's clearly got his mama's brain. It's not even close, all right? And, um, and so gifted in the arts and, and all this kind of stuff. I mean, uh, up in Pittsburgh, robotics is big. I mean, this dude's probably going to build a robot that's going to destroy me one day. I'm just telling you. Um, but if I can just tell you about Bolt, Bolt is not so much into sports. And that's stretching this daddy right here. 
It's okay. It's a good balance for my life. Um, Bolt's in the sports if his brothers are involved in sports, and so he can obliterate his brothers, but that's about the only reason he would care about sports. In fact, he's kind of spiting me right now because he's not wearing Saints stuff anymore. He's just putting on Penguins and Pirate stuff. We don't let any Steeler stuff come in our house, so if that shows up, it will be burned. But um, he doesn't love sports, and I'll, I'll just tell you, uh, man, over the years, uh, I got to see him again last night. He's back in town, recovering from the injury, but Mr. Drew Brees was one of his first football coaches with Play FNA, and I'll never forget a moment. Um, Bolt and uh, Drew's oldest son, um, they lost in the semifinals of the playoffs this first year, so all the kids are crying. I mean, they're just, this is over. Our careers are done. I mean, it's over, and, and Drew gets in like this moment where he's just like down on a knee as a daddy, and he's given this like, you know, there's bigger things in life, and he's given this like, I mean, I'm ready to like just charge hell with a water pistol, you know? And my son Bolt's crying, and I think that's a little weird because he doesn't care about sports. And so he sees that Bolt's crying, and he really goes in on Bolt, and and, and just one-on-one, I mean, Drew Brees is like giving him the best pep talk he's ever had in his entire life. He's crying, and my ma, uh, his mama and, and me find out afterwards that the reason why Bolt was crying is because everyone on the team got a goodie bag of treats, and he didn't. <laughs> Guys, as a parent, right... I remember telling Drew that after. I only told him like a day later. Like only, and he couldn't stop laughing. He was like, that was some of my best material. <laughs> and uh, as parents, what, we get so fired up about certain things. Sadly, I know dads that if they would have a kid that didn't care about sports, they would immediately start branding that kid as a failure in life. I mean, it's unreal. Another illustration with Bolt. Bolt, you know, we're playing soccer, and, and he's in this league, and I'll never It was amazing. He scored a goal. This daddy, when he scored that goal, I mean, I ran out on the field. I wasn't allowed. And all I could picture was that he's going to make the USA team and be in the World Cup one day, and I'm yelling, USA, USA. I mean, like, I'm making... A fool out of myself because Bolt scored a goal. Um, is it possible? Is it possible that maybe your kids only want to score a goal because that's the only thing you're excited about? Like if your kids serve Jesus, there's no USA chant. Church, if we want to see something multiplied out that's truly of God, are we of God? God instituted this beautiful Shema, this beautiful saying, so that it would be repeated over and over, not for redundancy or for religious monotony, but as a reminder that this is what's most important. This is the everlasting stuff. When you go and look at this, like, it's so amazing. How do we correct our course? Because maybe I'm not the only one in the house that is getting far too excited about a soccer goal. 
Maybe you're also here and the, the world is grabbing your attention and, and you're, you're desiring the things of this world more than the things of God. How do we course correct this? Well, I think we do what this series is doing right out the gate. We focus on God. We focus on God. Now, in an amazing way, you know this is not a problem for me. Pastor Dawson um, gave me a very simple line to preach on. It's right there in the Shema, right there. We see um, it says in verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Pastor Dustin said, don't preach anymore. Just that, stay right there. And so you all know you're here for the next five hours. That's all I need. But this is so important as we kick off this series, no matter what we're thinking about, to impress, right? Um, to, to make an impact, an everlasting impact. We're thinking for this first week, we're imagining the end. We're focusing our energy, our effort on the issues that will make a lasting impact. The way in which we're going to do that, let's focus on God. Right now, Pastor John McCann and I, as we're walking with the saints this season, we're walking through 1 John. And the succession of 1 John over and over is, it talks about Jesus first, right at the beginning of 1 John, that he's the incarnate God, that he's the eternal God, and then it says, walk in the light. And then it goes back and it says, Jesus is our advocate. And then it says, keep his commands. You are never, ever, 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 ever supposed to try and live for God without God. And if you're here today and you'd say, man, I'm not a great parent. Man, I'm not multiplying the gospel. I would say, let's go to God. For God does for us what we cannot do for ourselves. And as we focus in on God, let's look at this very simple line. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. The Lord our God. Let's stop right there. Notice something here in the text. The Lord, our God. Is that true of you? Is this your God? In fact, I'm just not going to skip over this right now. Bow your heads, close your eyes, don't put your stuff up. I preach longer than this. Salvation's here right now. Will you give your life to Jesus? Because what I'm about to talk about is for people who have declared that this Lord is their God. And I want you to know this God is here. Jesus came, he lived, he died, he defeated sin, death, and hell, and he offers to all who would repent of their sins, put their faith and trust in him, eternal life. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. With every head bowed and every eye closed right now, if you'd say, Pastor Rob... Right now is a moment of salvation. Today I give my life to Jesus. Right now, in the middle of a sermon without music playing. Right now is a moment of salvation. Right now, I give my life to Jesus. Boldly lift up your hand. Anybody in the house? Anybody here ready to receive Christ? Lord Jesus, for the things that are seen and unseen, we give you all glory and praise. We celebrate you, for you are the Lord, our God. In Jesus' name, amen.
Don't miss this. It says the Lord our God. There's a number of things as we focus in on God. Number one is this. The Lord our God, the Lord is one in presence. Write that down. You're going to get some alliteration. That's how I roll. And so the Lord is one in presence. May I share this with you? God has always been. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. Some people like to kind of say, well, God the Father, that's Old Testament time, right? God the Son, that's the Gospels. God the Spirit, that's New Testament, you know, the advancement of the kingdom through the church time. No, God has always been. Past, present, future. In the beginning was New Orleans. No, in the beginning was God. God has always been. Wasn't it great that we sung this just a few moments ago? You are perfect in all of your ways. We don't complete God, he's complete. That's why we go to God. The very thing that we need as we focus in on God is we want to focus in on his presence. The Lord is one in presence. When Moses came off of Mount Sinai and spent time with God and he received those 10 commandments and he returned to the people, those people recognized that he had been in the presence of God. So parents, your kids recognize you've been in the presence of God. I would submit to you, stop keeping that quiet time so quiet. Have your kids ever watched you really go after God? Do they know that when you come to them and pour into them, whether it's through correct teaching, whether it's love, that you're coming to them because first you went to God. God told you to go to them. There's no power in your word, Daddy. Mama. It's only power in his. The Lord is one in presence. Number two, the Lord is one in purpose. The Lord is one in purpose. The Lord, your God. The Lord is one in purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you hope and a future. Proverbs 19, 21 says, Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose. Everybody say purpose. It is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Your plans won't. People ask me all the time, why are you in Pittsburgh? Not my plans. (laughs) Didn't see this coming. And so, so many of you, you've been so encouraging me. You've been like, man, God's doing something amazing. I know. I've been expecting it. This was not part of my five-step life plan. Poor Jake's about to experience his first winter. (laughs) This could be fun. Donate clothes now. Kids are going to freeze. My first winter, we learned Old Navy doesn't work up there. <laughs> so how in the world am I stepping into so much? It's, his, it's, it's all about aligning ourselves with his purpose. And he's got a purpose for your life. And we know, listen, we're not this prosperity kind of crazy church where we think you're in sync with God's will. It's just going to be amazing. No, 
God sometimes, in his purpose, gives suffering and blessing. So purpose can be struggle, because God can trust you. That's a gift. If you've gone through struggle, it means that he trusts you. Because when people come to you and see you praise Jesus in the storm, that's actually way more powerful than people praising Jesus on the beach with a pina colada. He trusts you. He trusts you. There's purpose. Purpose. Our goal in parenting, guys, is to connect our children with the purposes of God. I'll never forget going to South Korea a few years ago with my dad. Um, in a matter of like 12 days, we preached 30 to 40 times. Uh, dad sent me to all the cool church plants, and he went to all the mega places, and uh, we had a blast. Wore ourselves out, but our host for that trip um, began to share with us about their two children. And their two children were overseas, away from South Korea and all this, and my mom was also with me on the trip, and I'll never forget, one day as we're going to dinner, my mom said, oh, I'm sure it's just so sad. You don't see your kids anymore. And I'm just telling you, I'm a mama's boy. I almost had to beat up this guy because he kind of snapped at my mom. He's like, what are you talking about? God gave us these children so that we could send them out. They're serving the Lord. What do you mean I'm mad that they're gone? No, that's their purpose. God blessed us for this purpose with these children. My dad heard from his dad as he left South Africa in 1979. I was born in 1981. My parents moved as missionaries from Africa to America in 1979. And my dad heard from his dad, son, if I never see you again, but I know that you are in the center of the will or purpose of God, my joy would be made complete. When you go to God, you connect in with his purpose. And it gets you away from, everybody get this? Your purpose. No, let's align with his purpose. Number three, the Lord is one in power. The Lord, our God, the Lord is one in presence. The Lord is one in purpose. The Lord is one in power. In Exodus 9, 16, it says, but for this purpose, I have raised you up, Moses, to show you my power so that my name may be proclaimed in all the earth. This power is what we're after because, let's be real, parents, we can't do this. We can't. All four of my kids need a different daddy. Can't understand it. Why can't I rally them in the room and talk one way and it all connects? It's because they're different. So I have to heavily lean upon God to do for me what I cannot do for myself. And the only place for me to get the very things that I need to pour into this next generation is the only thing God can provide. Because the hope for my four kids is not me. My goal while these rugrats are in my house. The boys, they've got till 17 and then they owe me rent when they turn 18. 
My daughter, she can stay as long as she wants. I used to get mad at my dad. I've got a brother and then a younger sister who's 10 years younger than me. My parents were different parents to her. It made me so mad, but now I get it. I, I understand, Dad. You had to spoil her. And so I just spoil my, my daughter because she's beautiful. She looks just like me. It's amazing. <laughs> and and with, my, with my four kids, like, look, while they're with me, I really, and listen to me, parents, and this would be in any discipleship relationship, um, it, it's kind of true of what I prayed for here as I left New Orleans, is that the power of God would be what my kids are after more than what daddy's giving to them. And so there's some things, parents, you need to stop doing for your kids. You're spoon-feeding them too much. And when they go off to college, all hell's going to break loose because they're so codependent upon you instead of God. And so the moment they leave your little circle of comfort, your little bubble you created for them, and they go out to the real world, their hope was not actually in the power of God, it was in your power. Now, if y'all would help me figure out how to do that. I think we're going to get some answers at the equip night. Y'all need to be there. But we know it's found in God, right? Amen? So we had some fun this past uh, week in Pittsburgh and, and in New Orleans. On Tuesday night, we had a night of worship in Pittsburgh, and it was just a beautiful time at our city location. We'd love for any of you guys to come, and we're going to be planning some trips again next year. We'd love for you to come see what God's doing. And just God's spirit came down. It was powerful. Pastor John brought a word. You'll laugh, John. Like, John, <laughs> my wife, she, she sees us post on social media the same points that John had on Tuesday night. Uh, were the same points that I had the privilege of bringing a brief word here on Thursday night. We had a worship night on Thursday night. And Annabeth says, look at you stealing John's sermon. <laughs> what kind of mess is that? I said, I wrote that. He delivered the sermon. I no, we did this together. And so I, I want to recap what we talked about because we really focused as a movement, guys, like not on our movement. We focused on God. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. And, and when you worship, when you go to God, three things happen. This is why we go after God. Number one, adoration is what we talked about. Adoration. It's, it's that presence, right? Because of his presence, his presence leads us to adoration. To enjoyment, to gratitude, to thankfulness. In his presence, we humble ourselves, right? We're encouraged, we're excited. I love just worshiping, number one, because I still get nervous every time I speak, so I'm on the front, I'm not that charismatic, I'm just getting nerves out. And as I'm getting nerves out, like I'm, I'm just, there's something like, I start getting goosebumps, just enjoying the presence of God with believers who love God. Adoration. And, and it's amazing to me, like, how much we take his presence for granted. How many times we come in here and it's just routine on a Sunday. Let's get out of the way. Let's go to the saints. 
you know, church downtown later tonight. Let's, let's do that. We go through routine. Can I just tell you, like, being gone from New Orleans for a few months, coming back, I, I love coming back. Y'all got something dynamic here. And, and you don't really realize how much you miss it till you're away from it. I miss you. I wish I could be here. And, and I think we need to remind ourselves of his presence in this place. Not your presence, not my presence, not who's preaching today, but him. This is who we're here for. Number two, we talked about alignment, right? So the Lord our God, the Lord is one in presence. That leads to adoration. Well, how about the Lord is one in purpose? This leads to alignment, it's us coming to a place where we worship God together. We seek after God together. We focus on God together. And when you focus on God, you learn more about his ways than yours. And you course correct your life. You find out, oh, snap, I'm going this direction, and God actually has me in this direction. So I repent of that, and I instead move towards the things that God has called me to. God's been speaking to me a lot about alignment. Acts chapter 9 verse 31 has been like a theme verse for me as we've been preaching back through the book of Acts up in Pittsburgh. And it says that walking in the fear of the Lord and the comfort of the Holy Spirit, the church multiplied. I've been asking myself, Lord, where right now am I too cocky? I want to remind myself of a fear of the Lord. Pride comes before fall. And then I've been asking myself, because believe it or not, I'm actually really freaking out over most that's in my life. I feel really ill-equipped to do most of what I do in my life. The promise in Scripture says that there's a comfort of the Holy Spirit. And so for those who are too cocky, fear the Lord. Those who are not confident enough, comfort of the Holy Spirit. And somewhere in the middle there is alignment. Never too far on, God, I'm going to show you what I'll do for you today. You're lucky to have me on your team. No, let's go back over here. But then on the other side, God, I'm pathetic. I'm failure. I don't think I can. I don't want to do this. The comfort of the Holy Spirit gives us confidence, parents, to get back in the game. Even though little ankle biters, cray cray, get back in the game. Alignment. Lastly, his power leads to advancement. This is what we talked about with worship. This moment of worship is not just for this moment. It's for all the future moments, this being empowered, right? So the Lord our God, the Lord is one in power. Well, this power leads to advancement. The church being multiplied. Gospel multiplication. Generations. Disciple making. I love the series summary that Pastor Dustin sent to me. He said, our children are the church of the future. If they are the future, that means we have work today. Many of us are parents doing our best to raise our children, to love God, love people. Many of us have friends who have children we love. Many of us are part of a church that is full of children. So how do we make an impression, impress on the church of the future? What's well, this Orange strategy we're talking about, guys. It's the influence of the church, yellow, coming together with the influence of the home, red, to make greater impact, orange. And we pray that we would see a movement among this next generation of adoration 
alignment and advancement for the kingdom of kingdom of God. Do you know that in Deuteronomy chapter 6, before the text that we read, I want to take you to verse 1 through 3. Turn with me back into your Bibles there. Because you're actually going to find something that's a promise. If you would repeat these things, if you would go after these things, if you would focus in on God, there's actually a promise that's laid out before the text that we read here. Maybe that needs to be my fourth P, P word, right? The Lord our God, the Lord is one in promise. I can go all day. And so here's this promise. Let's look at it. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 1 through 3, it says, Now this is the commandment, the statutes and the rules that the Lord your God commanded me to teach you, that you may do them in the land to which you are going over to possess it, that you may fear the Lord your God, you and your son and your son's son, by keeping all his statutes and his commandments, which I command you all the days of your life, that your days may be long. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and be careful to do them, that it may go well with you, that you may multiply greatly as the Lord, the God of your fathers, has promised you in a land flowing with milk and honey. Any parents willing to say, I want that for my kids? I want that for my legacy? I am an extremely, extremely thankful person. Because my papa, his name is John Wilton. John went to be with Jesus a few years ago. Is the first one in my family to ever, that we can find for generations and generations before, ever follow Jesus. And he radically met Jesus. He left a professional career. My grandmother was an artist. She was an actress and, and, and left her career. And they went into full-time ministry around the time when my dad was about 10, 11 years of age. So my dad's whole world shifted. My dad's the middle of three sons. And as he grew up under this now faithful teaching and preaching of God's word, my dad met Jesus. He ended up falling in love with someone that's way better than him, my mama. And my mama's a preacher's kid. And they fell in love and then answered God's call to come to America in 1979 and can I just tell you, this is not about the Wilton family. This is about the grace of God. That one grandfather not only has, at least within my family, all three of his sons who today love Jesus, but now has me, my brother, and my sister who love Jesus and who have devoted our lives to Jesus. My sister serves with Samaritan's Purse in South Sudan. Just loving people. My brother's a missions pastor, praying about going and planning a church. And, and I have the privilege of serving the Lord. And this is not even about anything about us. This is the faithfulness of God. And can I tell you, God's doing something in the next generation. I want to show you two pictures. The first is my last moment with my papa. I go and visit my papa, and he's on his deathbed. I go walking in the room, 
I say, hey, Papa, I booked a tea time for us tomorrow. Get your act together. We got some golf to play. He said, how many strokes are you going to spot me? And then he looks at Granny. Her name is Rhoda Bell. And he says, Rhoda Bell, get my Bible. And he pulled out his Bible. And I sat there for 30, 40 minutes listening to him break down a new truth that he just found in the book of Romans. We prayed and I was out the door. Never saw him again. Fast forward to a couple weeks ago. I want to show you another picture. That's my Burke. We call him Berkey Turkey. We call my other twin boy Mac Attack. It fits their personalities. This is Berkey Turkey. He's a mini-me if I've ever seen one. Mac prayed to receive Christ last year at a church camp. We've been celebrating with him and processing. When it happened, Burke obviously observed everything that his brother had done. Burke, what you think? Daddy, that's my decision. Exactly, son. You take your time. Jesus loves you. But he wants you to surrender your life to him. He walked into mom and dad's room just a couple weeks ago and said, I want to give my life to Jesus. And we had the privilege of praying with Burke to receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. There he is the Sunday after with an I've been changed box. We're going to have a beautiful baptism celebration on October 20th of Mac and Burke together. Imagine the end. Some of you right now are the only one in your family who knows Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. I promise you because I know my papa. He was pouring into me from the book of Romans because he wanted to see his great-grandson come to know Jesus. Would you start praying for your great-grandchildren? This Shema, this beautiful Shema is a promise of the advancement of God and his glory. Every head bowed and every eye closed as we close. We're going to close in song and in response. And as we go into this time, I just, I think at some level, Pastor Dustin, would you just stand over here to my right and Pastor John, stand over here to my left. Because I really believe that during this time, we've, we're not anything special, but as pastors, God has entrusted us to pray for you. And, and maybe there's a couple here that just would like for us to pray for them as they parent for God's glory. Maybe you're here today and, and you're saying, you know what? I need Jesus. And you'd like prayer. We're going to have some other team members come and, and, and serve you and be open and ready to receive you. But let's not, let's not 
just rush this too quickly. Plus, the Saints game only starts at 7.20. Let's just chill a little bit. Let's soak a little bit. Let's let the Spirit of God lead us. I want to encourage some of you. The greatest thing that you could do probably as a couple right now, if you are overwhelmed by parenting or whatever, is to actually come down front and not talk with Dustin or John or myself, but just get on your knees. And, and beg the Lord that your children would follow Jesus. Oh, but I'm, I'm too big for that. But man, you do some stupid things watching them play sports. You ain't willing to get on your knees and beg for their souls. Who are you? What do you do? Where are you going? Maybe you're pouring into a life right now. God's entrusted to you a younger believer in Christ. And you just need wisdom from God. Whatever that is, we're just going to sing over you. Mark and the team, we're just going to sing a song over you. And let's just let the Spirit of God lead. And then we'll close out. Don't miss this. Let's stand together. I want to pray for us as we go into this time. Lord Jesus, I pray that your presence, Lord, your purpose, your power, your promise would unleash upon your church. For your kingdom in this generation and for generations to come. Lead us, Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.